what are you saying to clients? How are you getting their attention about ideas and strategies you have to offset that tax pressure that we think people are going to feel in the future? Wouldn't you like to consider offsumming some of those taxes with some tax-free income that has really high limits in the planning that we can do to offset some of those taxes? Welcome to the Next Level Advisor podcast. Today, Jason Borick is joined by Lawrence Adamo, a highly successful advisor from California who has spent years growing a network of strategic partners. Hear how he's used this network to grow his business and how you can do the same. One of the things, Lawrence, that I've come to know about you over your career and what we've seen in watching you work and interact you have a very unique ability to engage other professionals, right? When I, when I say other professionals, we'll get to the, the idea of partnering with other reps in the, later on in the discussion, but I'm talking really more about partnerships with CPAs, partnerships with attorneys. You really built a practice around developing those partnerships. The last case we did with you came out of a law firm. It was a, a $700,000 case, and it was because of the partnership that you developed with Steve, the attorney. So maybe you can talk some about that, because I think a lot of advisors have it in their mind that they want to do that, but they don't know how. I'd be happy to, and I thank you for the opportunity to uh, share some of the work that I've done and how you and I have worked together. A lot of professionals or reps in, in the business whether they're new or been around for a long time, you know, the guys who've been around a long time and season, you know, they all, they pretty much have um, their networks established and the way that they want to, they want to do business. But, but there are a couple of things that I find that I think really work well. And when you're developing relationships with other professionals, CPAs or accountants, there's a number of ways to do that. You know, you can join networking groups and there's, you know, there's tons of them all over the place or, if you're inclined, you can start one on your own, which I did. I started a group in, in New York, like the professionals that I had. I said, what, what we are always looking for is a group of specific different disciplines that's small and active. So we started this group, myself and Steve, someone from Marshall Stevens, and an accountant. And we kept it down to just 20 disciplines. That's it. So that group has become an enormous source of referrals for me. So in any case, the networking groups that are out there, they're just so many and they're just so broad. So if I was an advisor trying to make a really good establishment with a CPA or an attorney, talk to someone you know and say, listen, are you in networking groups? Yeah. How are they working out? Are they big? Are they, yeah. You know, there's a hundred people in them and there's 20 attorneys. And, you know, it just becomes so broad and not specific. So say, how would you like to start one? Just us and a couple of people that we know, 18 people, and make it specific and make it so they have to pay to get in. Because once you pay, you're serious. And make it, you know, maybe five or 600 bucks a year. You have parties and stuff like that. And it, that's worked really well which to me is another great segue that I've found that advisors over my years, how many times in your career has someone asked you, what do you do? Well, most of the time when you ask an advisor what they do, here's what happens. Oh, I have a financial planning practice or I am, I'm an investment manager or I'm an insurance consultant. Well, you know what the next thing that happens is? Yeah, great, thanks. There's no meat on the bone. So specifically, you need to have a story when someone asks you, what do you do? When someone asks me what I do, 
I say, I'm a specialist in creating responsible leverage, and it's tax-free, not only for wealth transfer, but for retirement. And I only work with individuals and businesses that are successful and accomplished. How do you feel about paying taxes? Usually, the next answer is, I hate them. Great. How would you like to learn how not to pay them? You don't have to pay taxes that you don't have to pay. Now, that is more specific, and it gives you the opportunity to engage other than I'm an insurance consultant. You say you're an insurance consultant, and the guy runs out of the room screaming, or you're an yeah. investment manager. Oh, yeah, I got an investment manager. So the first thing I would say is tell your story short and succinctly when someone asks you what you do. That's one part. The second part is how do you ask for referrals? Most advisors, they use some kind of system. They have in a system. So essentially what I did was I wrote a script, which I will read to you now. Joe, I need your help. You are one of my favorite clients and I really respect your opinion. I am developing a more focused approach to my marketing. I have created a profile of my favorite clients. You are exactly the kind of person I most enjoy working with. Would you let me take you out for lunch or breakfast? I would like to get your ideas and opinions about plans with regarding for marketing to people just like you. Well, what does that do? First of all, the client feels great because he's one or she's one of your favorite clients and you want their opinion on how you can reach people just like them. There's so many things that take out of that. You know, I started my career at New York Life and I remember sitting down and I and asking a very specific question about what process they were going to ask me to follow. Right. If I was going to work in this system at New York Life, what's the process they're going to ask you to follow? And they, they went on the whole that's Project 200 and you're going to make lists of all the people, you know, and you're going to do all this and blah, blah, blah. And I said, OK, great. That's that's good. Let me ask you a question. How successful is that? How many people are, are successful in the business following that process after four years? And, you know, the managing director at the time, you know, she she looked at me, had never been asked that question. So I said, you know, I know you have to have statistics because I'm assuming that's the way you're compensated. So help me understand, after four years, people that follow that process, how many are still successful in the business? She said 6%. I said, okay, so let me get this straight. What you want me to do, and I'm not the brightest bulb in the tree at all, but what you're telling me, what you want me to do is buy into a system that fails 94% of the time. <laughs> I mean, right. so, so I, you know, and I would say, look, I'm not going to do that. So what I did was I went to my network and I asked them for help. And guess what everybody is willing to do? Everybody is willing to help. When you ask for help, people are willing to help you, especially if you have favorable relationships. I think that's profound. And like you said, a, a lot of advisors, they may have off the beaten path kind of a process, but nothing really engaged. They don't have any verbiage or terminology. I love what you're talking about here. Um, Lawrence, because you're talking about specificity in all areas, right? You have a specific script that you look for when you're looking for referrals. You have a specific kind of outline or script. You talk about a specific planning strategy when somebody asks you what you do. And so that brings up this other point because I want to talk about the current environment. Taxes, 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 taxes. In this environment, right, Obviously, with the deficit spending the way that it is, you know, we're, we're looking at 30 trillion in deficits at this point, right? We know at least that's the feedback that we're getting from every different angle. Income taxes are going which way in the future? 
We, they're going to have to raise oh, revenue. Yeah. What are you saying to clients? How are you getting their attention? What are you saying to the attorneys and the law firms and the CPAs? How are you getting their attention about ideas and strategies you have to offset those, that tax pressure that people, we think people are going to feel in the future? You know, one of the things that I, I usually talk to clients about is very simple when we're doing some type of planning, and it works pretty much, it's profound. The U.S. Treasury is not policy-driven. It's revenue-driven. And if you think that at any time in the future, especially under these conditions, that they are not going to focus on generating revenue, which translates into what? And the client will look at me or the prospect or whoever I'm talking to, uh, I guess that means higher taxes. That's correct. Higher taxes. Which also leads me to the discussion on part of some of the planning that we're doing. You have a qualified retirement plan. How do you think that income is going to be taxed when it comes out? Well, it's, it's going to be taxed. Yeah, at what rate? Pretty, pretty high, isn't it? So wouldn't you like to consider offsumming some of those taxes with some tax-free income that really has really high limits in the planning that we can do to offset some of those taxes? Well, that would be a good idea. Yeah, it would. So let's talk about how we can offset some of those taxes by generating tax-free income. So that discussion regarding offsetting qualified plan income really is a generator because most people in the real world, when they reach retirement, the ether wears off. They hate that taxable income from mm -hmm. their retirement plan. They forgot about the tax deferral because that's all it is. It's not a deduction. It's a deferral. Because yeah. you're going to pay the tax somewhere down the road, and it's going to be significant if you've accumulated enough assets. And if you sit down and talk with professional CPAs, professional attorneys, and you ask them, how many of your clients are receiving taxable income from their retirement? A lot. How do they feel about it? They hate it. The tax environment we're in today is not going to be the same 10 years from now, eight years from now. I think what's going to happen, too, is you've got to remember – that, ta that tax law, the, the estate tax exemption sunsets in 2026. Yeah. You know, you're nuts if you think we're going to still be looking at another, you know, $15 million exemption or something okay. like this. This is going to be all the revenue opportunities are going to be on the table. But it's not only that, it's, it's actually all the surcharges. And right. it's so funny to hear you say that because you're right. The ether wearing off is a great way to describe that. Most, cl most clients get into that, that situation and all of a sudden they recognize, okay, yeah, that, that deferral was one thing, but now I'm being taxed on it. And especially, you know, in retirement years, you got a lot of different pressures and the healthcare costs, other things, all those other pressures that come onto clients' backs. And, and this is a great segue into talking about how you work with some advisors, maybe in the money management side, from an insurance planning perspective, because a lot, obviously, you know, our network, our distribution, um, you know, 16,000 plus advisors amongst 35 financial institutions, all of them, you know, 75% of them, you know, really are on, more on the money management side, on the asset management side. And that's really two-dimensional planning. I talk about turning that planning, that this planning discussion into three-dimensional planning, right? Tax diversification. And I know over the years, you know, you spent a lot of time in partnership with advisors like that, working with advisors like that, because these are conversations that these advisors are not accustomed to, because you're going to get asked questions, especially, you know, 
the complexities of the life insurance space specifically, you know, or even, even take it a step further and take the complexity of the life insurance space and then layer on top of it, premium financing leveraged, right. you said responsible leverage, you know, they need, if I'm an advisor, I need somebody like you to partner with to help me engage in these kind of discussions. And I know that you've done a lot of that work. You, you, you know, you, in your network, I would assume, back to that discussion we had earlier about the network that you created, Lawrence, did you have like money managers and others that are part of that network? And, right. and talk a little bit about how you work in that environment with, along with those guys, because we have a lot of them out in our distribution, maybe listening to this going, hey, you know, I really need to get a guy like Lawrence to partner with to help me engage these discussions. You know, like I said, in the networking group, we try to limit it to the amount of disciplines that are involved. So in our group, we have 22 um, members, two, only two. We only allow two in each discipline if we want to have two. And um, one is um, someone I brought into the business 30 years ago. And, um, you know, he's been grateful, but he just, his big thing is money management. You know, I think he has uh, 800 million under management, his company. And, um, you know, he said, you know, I'd like to do a lot more life insurance. We did $600,000 of target premium, big whoop. And they have a, they have a really big um, businesses in their, in their network. So I said, well, let's talk about premium financing. I said, premium finance is not for everyone, but, you know, you really need to upgrade your insurance practice because you're sitting on the gold mine. And what we talked about was how, how do we access the same way? you're doing financial planning, you're charging financial planning, insurance is in there, and you're really picking the whole thing, the low-hanging fruit. For instance, this last case that we did, I did a spreadsheet of every possible scenario this client could use. Here's all the things that you can do, and then you can do this, which was premium financing. And he looked at it, and he said, and he turned to the attorney, he looked at me, and he said, and why wouldn't I not do this? I said, well... <laughs> You would want to do this because it makes perfect sense. But without walking him through all the scenarios that he has opportunities to engage in, because, because maybe he, didn't, he feels premium financing is too aggressive or whatever, for whatever reason, it was an educational process. So currently I'm working with this advisor now to review all their insurance that they have in place currently, not only for premium finance, but for other, for other things that we can do. And his firm has very limited knowledge. So does the other advisor. They focus on investment management, and then then the tax planning obviously segues into that as well. Yeah. So you know we we take it from there. That's I think one of the biggest takeaways as we as we talk through and try to have these kind of conversations. You know, one of the biggest takeaways for for anybody that's out there that's an advisor that's listening to this is that really, you know, being a generalist when we get up market, you know, it just doesn't work. You know, right. you, you, you want to have a, a group of people, a team of people to engage that have the expertise. Look, when you're working through these types of transactions, very wealthy people, and if you haven't been down the pathway before, we've done several of these cases with you. Back to the conversation about financing, you know, you get into what you call responsible leverage. You utilize leverage in this environment. But if I'm an advisor that has never engaged in that discussion, if I don't have you with me, this case, the conversation is going nowhere because the client's going to ask questions. I mean, they're, they're going to throw things out. And, and, and a lot of times, especially, at least this has been my experience, and maybe you can speak to this a little bit, but my experience in, in, in watching uh, high-level and high-end financial money managers, financial advisors that manage money, watching them work, you know, they, they don't like to be in a position 
where they don't know how to answer a question. So what that, what's going to end up happening is they know they have the opportunity, but they're never going to address it if they have to have that conversation themselves because they know they're going to get asked a question they don't know how to answer, right? And they know correct. that there's going to be an objection that's going to come up or some type of conversation is going to come up from the client that they don't know how to engage. That's where partnering with somebody like you that's been down this road, that has had the discussions with the attorneys that can help navigate this process, that's where I think it's really, really important. And I, I would assume, you know, as you go back and, and look at kind of how these partnerships work, that's really where, it, where the real value is because you've done this for so many years. I mean, how, your background, Lawrence, just speak to that a little bit. How long have you been doing this? Since 1982. And to speak to what you just said, if a client has never been exposed to premium finance, I guarantee you, A, their accountant and their attorney has been in some way, shape, or form, or has heard about, but has never seen one like the one that we have. And number two, they, they've always said, too risky. It's too risky. There's too many moving parts. Mm -hmm. so, so like you said, you need to be able to navigate past that and make sure that the dialogue is open so you can explain it to it, especially when, in most cases, the numbers are so compelling that the client wants to have the, the opportunity to engage with his other, his other professionals in a constructive way. And that's where you need someone who understands the process, because that's what it is. It's a process. Mm -hmm. the, the product is the product. The plan is the plan, and the process is the process. Yeah. And once you get those other professionals on board and they understand it and they speak to Bob and they speak to Andy Winehouse, all of a sudden it becomes a lot more palatable to the professional because that's who the client's going to look to. He could be all excited. He'd be all excited. But if his CPA tells him, don't do it, he ain't doing it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. We've got the team behind us of professionals who can speak their language and make them comfortable with how it works. And right. once the client understands the variables, because I don't call them risk, I call them variables, because risk is, it is a nebulous. It's a variable, not a risk. Different language. It's not yeah. what you say, it's how you say what you say that counts. In wrapping it up, Lawrence, right now as we stand in, the, in this virtual world, in this pandemic, in all of this craziness, What's the single most important thing that you would say an advisor should be talking to their client about? How to protect their assets from loss. How to protect their assets from loss. And so with that, we're going to wrap up. So I appreciate cool. you hopping on, brother. <laughs>